Welcome to The Witcher Lorecast, the show that explores the vast lore behind The Witcher games, show, and books. Witchers, welcome back to The Witcher Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots. I'm here with Toasty, my good buddy. And Toasty, we are talking about the mid-season climax? Is that the best way to call it? This is episode five of season three of The Witcher. And uh, they did some know, interesting might, film stuff it, on this one. I think it might have been multiple climaxes from, from <laughs> how they s- separated out the scenes, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This does. We do start the scene uh, with kind of a, you know, happy bedtime moment for mm-hmm. for, for and Geralt. Have several more and, uh, happy bedtime moments in different <laughs> locations in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for Geralt and um, Jennifer. Um, all right. So we're going to go through it. We're these. This is our reaction. Some of a breakdown, some of the things that we liked, didn't like some of the things that worked, that didn't work. Some of the things that were in lore and then not in lore. We're going to all of that stuff like we normally do. Toasty, where do we start? Uh, well, we start at the beginning where we see what seems to be Jennifer and Geralt's uh, spending some time together after the night's events, which kind of cuts in the weird framing for this episode where we're going to have the intermittent scenes of them having uh, essentially pillow talk about the night's events. Pillow talk. That should be the name and of this then, episode. Pillow talk. Yeah, we'll, we'll name it pillow talk. Put it on the for, for Spotify. That's our, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that's today's episode. Uh, while showing us little like moments or I guess not little moments, but long moments of the party um right and then they consecutively reveal more about some of those scenes than like they go through it like three different times and Mm -hmm. reveal kind of different people's perspectives on scenes and a little bit deeper into a conversation that may have been cut short so that uh this develops and initially when we we went into this we were like clearly from the beginning you're like okay this is after a thing happens and we're going to see flashbacks to the thing and then they started rolling it out like through the first time through and i became immediately suspicious i was like okay we're gonna this is how this is unfolding and then as it worked through the episode i became more impressed with the way they actually laid it out because i felt like it actually was done very well even though at the beginning it felt kind of contrived yeah no um i i was actually I thought they did pretty well with the how they they did this uh, the layout of this episode. I thought it was neat uh, and a cool little concept. Yeah. All so. right. So where do we want to start with the details? What what kind what things do you want to point out first? All right. Um, well, of course, Geralt and Yen enter the party for the first time, um, <laughs> uh, and we get a uh, a nice little uh, Geralt Jennifer little moment of Geralt realizing that Geralt doesn't have a good track record at parties. <laughs> right, right, right. And they're both um, wearing the weird outfits. Uh, yeah. The, the, like, we're not going to talk about the outfit. I hate the outfits. <laughs> I still hate the outfits. I've hated the, I hated the outfits the entire episode. Yeah. Yeah. It hasn't changed. I don't like them. I just tried to ignore them. Um, but speaking of outfits, uh, we get a nice little, and this is actually something uh, that had like happened in the books is that like, there's a moment where Sabrina comes up and she's trying to basically, um, and of course they do it a little bit differently um, with here where like 
she's just got her boobs really pushed up yeah she is um, wearing like the tightest top you could po- i mean she must have been like it must have been hard to breathe yeah the amount yeah. of like push-up going on in that top yeah yeah and it's slightly like see-through or whatever in in the book she's just wearing a straight-up see-through dress that you can like see everything like nothing's <laughs> hidden beneath the dress you can see all of it um and it's funny because like Geralt and this little scene kind of hatches hashes out the same way, but he does in fact just like spit like spin time just staring at her chest when she's doing it. And it's all it was just a funny little scene from the book. And I like that they did it, where especially when Yen's like, don't look, and he's just like Uh, <laughs> uh Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, right, right. Uh, it's it's hard and it's hard as a you know, somebody who's attracted to women to not look because and an she, attractive woman is an attractive woman. Too. Right. She was trying right. to seduce him. Right. Uh, she gave him like a mental vision of like, you know, giving him a taste, I think, were the words <laughs> said in it. Um, <laughs> right. So she's very much trying to seduce him just to mess with the Yennefer, though. Apparently, everyone loves to mess with the Yennefer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it definitely didn't seem like a, she was into him. It seemed more like a, she was messing with Yennefer by messing with him kind of thing. Yeah, I just thought it was a, a neat little like call to the book. Um, and like, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff here that's actually in line with the books. But like when it comes to knowing the specific political topics that people talked about at this party from the book series, it's hard to remember. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a good chunk of this stuff that was in this episode that was taken word for word. But I would not be able to tell you. I just remember that moment in right, particular. Right. Then um, we get uh, we get the, the minstrels walking around telling us that yeah. all is not as it seems. Yeah. And this will be a theme for the episode with the layout. Every time we come back in, we're going to hear the, like, I guess the opening. I didn't pay attention if it's the opening part of the song with a little, like, like mm-hmm. the, the drums or something. Like those little... The, or whatever leading into right um and then they transfer over and it's the all is not as it seems um and they will do this like you will get this line of the song at the start of every like flashback moment iteration every time they go back to the beginning they play through the moments and And add a little bit more yeah it's a cool little for this scene when we're not yet sure exactly what's happening with the the structure of the episode it's a cool like hint like you know like a subliminal kind of like message to the audience of like like pay close attention to this one right because right, right. all this not as it seems yeah and but that could that have been cool. really heavy-handed but i feel like it was it was light enough that it was it was the kind of thing some people are going to miss but if you notice it you notice it and then you go oh, okay i, I think i, the, I think in. everyone will notice it i think maybe not like maybe not at first they won't notice it on the first round but then they'll start to realize it because it it does like the lines come in every single time right um right and even some of them like later on that are a bit more vague and it's harder to hear them but i still like check to see if like do i hear them every time and you do mm-hmm. um okay so um but yennefer goes over to i'm blurry <laughs> it's, it's all right you're i think you're just off center <laughs> uh, enough that sometimes you go blurry but um yeah um, so yennefer goes and talks to Tessaia and vilgefortz uh, about mending bridges where mm-hmm. to say is saying she needs to mend Jennifer needs to mend bridges with uh Artosa I wrote his name earlier uh the I can't remember like the one of the Artorius there Artorius. you go that's the name mm-hmm. Artorius is like one of the the bigger known mages from the council um as well as uh another person um 
or Stregobor. Um, and then, but like Yennefer kind of throws it back on her saying like, Hey, do you like, you have you mended any bridges with Philippa yet? <laughs> right. Right. Like, uh, like we all have our things <laughs> like, come mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of cuts over to like the end of Geralt and Philippa's conversation where Dijkstra walks up and, uh, kind of interrupts says, the conversation sort of yeah, yeah. he said he tells philippa like you're you're like taking all of the witcher's time you should like and then says that he appreciates Geralt because uh that means that dijkstra is not the only uh non-magic folk or commoner present right which, it's like Geralt's, he tries to identify with him in a like he's trying to relate hey like, we're we're kind of the same right and it's like like one like that's just awkward uh two the commoner thing is kind of an insult and Geralt takes it that way like he's like i'm just a simple commoner you have to speak simply um and also he is magical he's a witcher <laughs> like yeah. he can you he can wield a little bit of magic and he literally has like like uh has he's a mutant magic in his right. in his veins right like he's not non-magical yeah in fact and nobody else everywhere anywhere he goes even sees him as being like a commoner in any way (laughs) like he's never he's never included in any other group ever yeah yeah um and we get like after this we kind of get the tail end of every like all these conversations like we get the very tail end uh of of the conversation with Philippa where yin tells her like you know thank you for coming tonight it means a lot um we see yin like moving on to talk with Istrid, but we don't hear anything that they're talking about. Um, meanwhile, Geralt's up on the balcony with Vilgefortz and Vilgefortz is telling Geralt like, Oh, I heard that they used to be uh, like romantic together. I guess first love never does go away. Like, like antagonizing him a little bit. Well, uh, sowing seeds of doubt, I think is kind yeah. of a way to phrase that he's, he's, he's kind of saying like, you sure you really sure about her she kind of gets around she's also been with him like trying to put him on his back foot a little bit like yeah uh, but why at this point we're like well, why would yeah, he do like, that well, what's the point that's like this seems like just like kind of unnecessary like assholeish behavior from like okay and he seems like so far we've seen vilgefortz he seemed like a pretty like genuine guy uh as far as like his relationship with this hay and whatnot yeah so as, like, and as far as like, in the show goes he has i mean he stood with the mages at sodden he like like we haven't really seen a lot of evidence that we need to be worried about him yet yeah um so that we get that and they move on to the melange which is a dance between uh basically all of the significant figures except to say in vilgefortz apparently they get a free pass and don't have to participate in this but everyone else is in sure. it um yeah. and it, I even Geralt seems <laughs> yeah even Geralt he doesn't want to be right he has to right. um luckily he seems to know all the steps it's real fortunate yeah that's a Even little funny he's asking what the hell the melange is as they're going into it <laughs> right, <laughs> so, right. um but i do really like scenes like this like these like political maneuvering dances mm-hmm. like like mm-hmm. this thing that you have to do and it's like comes off as one way but it's like the perfect way for you to like network with different people it's also symbolic and, of the political dance as a whole the fact yeah. that everybody's maneuvering and and doing it and now they're doing it in real time in an actual dance yeah yeah so we get yin talking to artorius 
um, and just trying to convince him. She's trying to mend those bridges as to say as said she needed to and get him on her side. Um, we get a, I thought it was a weird jab from Kira because obviously she's still a little upset that Yin like broke someone's neck in her shop and she had to like run away. Um, but like Yin's trying to, you know, make amends there and like offers to like share a drink with her and they could chat. And Kira says she's trying to get pregnant tonight, which makes me wonder because as a sorceress, she shouldn't be able to do that. So is that just like a joke to like jab at Yennefer? Because Yennefer's like her thing was that she wanted to, like she really wanted to be a mom Yeah. or like, did they, was the writing like did they forget that sorceresses can't like i don't i don't know what or are they alluding to a different origin for kira like she became a mage on her own outside of the the brotherhood and all of that but yeah i I don't know it's hard to say as far as i know for like game kira like it's the same same thing like she's a sorceress she's in she's infernal right so right i don't know yeah it was just thought it was a weird jab but it was like pointed and it was such a specific enough thing to say that it brought my attention <laughs> i like this um, night this next note because you uh this is this is a call to ben of tamaria one of our our patrons and one of our friends uh <laughs> right here you can enjoy that small moment of Geralt interest yes yeah, so i actually just listened to uh the the two girls one ship episode uh, about witcher 2 today mm-hmm. um that Ben went on um, because that's a Geralt and Triss game, like a thousand percent. There's a couple other things, but it's pretty much Geralt and Triss and you don't have a choice in the matter. Um, and he's the Geralt and Triss stand. Um, yeah. So I was like, there you go. You get to look there. There's this cute little thing, you know, Triss is standing next to Geralt. Here you go. <laughs> that's but, about as much as we get though. That's it yeah, right there. Uh, so but there you go, Ben. Hopefully, hopefully you enjoyed seeing that. Um, also, your next note. I'm just going to read out some of the notes as we go, because it's fun how you write these. We knew Henry Cavill and Anya Chalatra had chemistry, but damn. What is that? So, what does that mean specifically? So, like, there's like the part at the end of the dance, right? Like uh, where like they have their like they're dancing together mm-hmm. and like the way like how close they are together and like the way that they're like dancing with each other. And like, as we know, this is going to be like, they're doing this for a certain way, like a certain way later on, but like, you can see, like you can see it, like there's sexual tension and it's like, it looks good. Like they look like, like they look good together. And like, they're actually like, you can believe the relationship and how much they like, you know, Geralt and, Jennifer want each other right you know? oh man that's so, so bitter just, that's like, so bittersweet that looked, that looked really good <laughs> it's, like, it looked really good but it's so bittersweet with henry leaving the show yeah we're gonna see how that goes i don't i don't expect to see scenes like this ugh, uh ugh. with with liam so right and then we get uh, the we get the fight we get the and girl duking it out the first time mm-hmm. this happened were you suspicious about this because it felt it felt contrived it Definitely felt contrived, um, and I was unsure, like, what exactly the purpose was, I thought. Yeah. So, because... Yeah. So, if this had happened, and we'd seen the A Shard of Ice story in, like, season one, then this I would have seen as, like, definitely a ploy for something. But I thought 
at the first time around to see it, I thought that they were trying to like basically shoe in the Geralt and Istrid stress, like like uh, uh, tension mm-hmm. from the A Shard of Ice story, and trying to put it in here because we had yet to really see it. Uh, right, before. but instead, it, it we it reveals later that this was they were conspiring in order to get yeah. attention. It did, it did. There was also I, I will say there was a little bit of odd because like Istrid so far hadn't really like he hadn't been pursuing Yennefer anymore right like it, right. it, it felt like that had been over so right. it was kind of like like is Geralt like what is he doing here although but I know that I think I remember something from the books that he does have like a jealous moment at this like party for mm-hmm. some other reason I don't think it's Istrid in the books um I can't remember what it is though. Right. But I think there is a jealous moment in the books. So I thought that this was like, we do this, but we're gonna do it with this person instead. We're gonna and, change it up. Yeah. Right. Right. But so. Istrid, like, like as you note here, he holds his own. His he holds his own. And we would totally expect that Geralt would just like tear him apart. <laughs> because yeah. he's freaking Geralt. And so that also leads a little bit of like, well, he's pulling his punches, he's letting him get some hits in, like Mm. It's, it's very it, it does seem a little off and which they immediately tell us that they're like yennefer they we go to another bedroom scene and yennefer says like oh this the fight was a clever plan yes and it was right. like okay so this was part of the plan um and we move on to like the final speech of the night where you know to say and them are all saluting peace and trying to have a time of peace and they you know we have yennefer to thank for this because she's the one that orchestrated this conclave of mages so that we could do this right right but that is all very well edited and skips over a lot of other things that happened in the night which we find out like later immediately after in another bedroom scene that all of it was a clever clever plan Right. They were putting on a performance. Right. Right. All right. So that's I mean, that's the early part of the episode. We have to go thank our patrons, but we'll be back and we're going to cover the more fleshed out version of the events and get into a little bit more of the nitty gritty of what was going on. So don't go anywhere. Very well. Let us get this over with. Something has infested my vineyard. Mm-hmm. Great. Let me go prepare my something oil then. All right, here we are in the middle of the show. This is where we get to thank our patrons. We don't have any new ones this week, so no new patrons to call out, but we still have our higher vampires, Ben of Tamaria and Jared M. Thank you so much for your support. And to all of our other patrons, thank you for being here and supporting the show. If you're interested in getting ad-free episodes, helping us out, getting stickers and t-shirts, joining us on patron chats, any of that stuff, then please check out patreon.com slash witcherlorecast for all of that. Also, if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it out on a future episode of the show. We don't have any new ones to read out this week. But just a reminder that I will be out of town this week coming up. So I'm not going to be here to do the patron episode. But Toasty, are you going to get together with the patrons, you think, on your own and just kind of record something? We and- remember, we because July 31st oh, is we're the last pushing week back. of this month. Right. Yeah, so we... 
we're, we're so we're good next week we're good and then we have the patron chat on july 31st that's right i've got a lot of shows so they all kind of get jumbled up in my brain it's but the only show that works out for this month all the <laughs> other shows you have to figure out it is it is so i'll be back uh before the 31st so we'll be able to do the patron chat on the 31st we'll, we're just going to miss out on an episode next week so mm-hmm. sorry about that but we'll be back and we'll be able to talk with our patrons so if you want to join us you still have time to sign up on the on the Patreon and then join us in the Discord chat. You can kind of link up your accounts and then we can be in conversation about what you might want to talk about on the on the show itself. So uh, thanks to everybody for your support. Let's move on with the rest of the show. You smell of death and destiny, heroics and heartbreak. It's onion. Right, yeah. So as we dive back into the events of this party, we get kind of a more full view of some of the moments that were happening. So this starts off with uh, the full Philippa Philippa, conversation. Yeah, we get the full conversation with Philippa and Geralt um, where Geralt uh, lets her know that one, he like knew about her and like Yaskier and all of them working together. Um, And philippa reveals to him like you know that he really can't trust i think she's trying to push the idea he can't trust these mages um not even the food and drink are are what they seem you know someone spiked the the wine with an aphrodisiac earlier in the night the caviar is an illusion um everything everything is real done up and fake for like the the presentation of things right so like the food Um, is fake but the people are fake too like everybody's putting on airs yeah yeah real the real double meaning and of course as we get into the more political talks in this episode that's what a lot of this is going to be they these kind of figures know how to speak and say things while implying or meaning other things right uh, and they're all quite good at it they have to be because they run in these circles um she mentions that Cotteringer and finn are dead which Geralt apparently didn't know mm-hmm. that ryan's had killed them um and so Geralt, and then Geralt tries to see pry information from philippa about the mage like see if she knows anything to which she retorts that um her lips aren't uh or her lips remained carefully sealed um and then offers to give him uh an <laughs> orgasm <laughs> right not I mean, like just just give him what not like not to sleep with him right right she can just cause people to have <laughs> orgasms and i was like okay cool i guess i guess cool that also seems really like i don't know without the rest of all that what goes along with that it seems like sudden Maybe is that the right word? Like, oh god, okay, this just it, happened. It would be it would be very sudden, but like, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that she does. Philippa definitely like uh, uses um, her like womanly charm as a means of getting things. I yeah. mean, yeah. Like, like how like many of the female mages do. Yeah, sure. part two for the people that are just watching this show are going to show or is we're going to see just how much she uses her womanly charm to manipulate Dijkstra, um in their relationship. So mm-hmm. um, that'll be fun. Speaking of um, Dijkstra, we get his full conversation. Yeah, he walks up. We get the whole conversation, and where it seemed like before he was threatening Geralt to like hand over Siri or else, he's actually trying to 
say that Redania is the only safe place for Siri as the continent gears up for war. You can't trust the mages. Um, Redania is really your only choice. Yeah. Um, and with his big goof earlier, I mean, props to him for actually playing up kind of the rational perspective with Geralt. I mean, it's not going to mm-hmm. work, but at least he's at least he's trying to appeal to his rational side, which, yeah. I, you know, hey, it's worth a shot, I guess, from his perspective. Yeah. And Geralt, meanwhile, he's uh, one. He, he's not really there to listen because this is still manipulation. And he knows that Dijkstra is trying to get Siri into his clutches for, for power. Doesn't actually care about her safety. Um, but he's still distracted because he sees Stregobor, I guess, kind of being a uh, he's being a douchebag to uh, one of the help. Um, yeah. But what yeah. else do we expect from our, our friend, the douchebag wizard? Um, <laughs> the douchebag so, wizard. That's what we named the episode. Stregobor, um, the douchebag wizard. So he he leaves that conversation um, and stri- just walks straight up to Stregobor. Um, and basically they have a little bit of conversation where Stregobor is being his typical Stregobor self and has even the gall to say that he's he's being just like Geralt he's weeding out the monsters mm-hmm. from his home mm-hmm. uh and it was like no you're being you just don't <laughs> like elves and you're trying to get rid of all of the elves right you've defined like common people as monsters and so now you're yeah. just terrible yes yeah but Stregobor is always dressing himself up to be the hero uh, in every right. one of his right. stories because in his mind he has justification for believing that they are in fact monsters and that humankind would be better without them so yeah know. so you gotta yeah. keep holding on to that racism strike board it makes us like you even less every yeah. single time yeah except for people who are racist do they actually like Stregobor? like people are in our own world who are racist i feel like i feel like there's a good chunk of like racist individuals that are out here watching the show and don't like Stregobor because he's so against elves and don't realize that they're that doing the same thing themselves into right yeah right or like or the people that watch like the boys and they think Homelander's like still a hero. <laughs> it's no, like, it's like, yeah, but there are people out there. Like you, I you will watch the boys, and I and but I've seen you immediately know. know Homelander's yeah. not Homelander hero. is the racist, psychopathic, power hungry, most powerful superhero, right? But yet there are people on forums online who think he's the hero of the show. Yeah, and yeah. that's a problematic. But anyway, uh, so back to things. So we got Istrid and uh, Yen. We got more on yes, their conversation. Where it looked like maybe this was a like a a moment in a, a in the lovers' nook as they whispered sweet nothings to each other. Actually, they're planning. Um, Istrid is informing Yennefer about the missing book of the monoliths. You know, whatever. We'll just ignore that. Um, and basically saying that <laughs> Stregobor has it um, and mm-hmm. he's planning to use it to banish all of the elven girls that he has abducted into another sphere just to get them off their sphere entirely. Right. Um, and from the evidence we've seen so far, this seems to track. This seems yes. highly likely to be the thing that's actually happening here. Yes. Um, so we see that and they're basically trying to figure out, they're like, we need to get someone into his office to find the proof. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're right. trying to figure that out. And then we get the um, moments of like Geralt watching him carefully and the Geralt and Yen plotting they're, they're, 
the distraction they're watching to find a moment that yeah. they can do something and you know they plot at the end of those moments we mentioned before where like it seemed like the sexual tension was high and they were very close to each other they're actually whispering to each other on how they were going to manage to make this work um and that they had like they even had like a code word for like you need to get the hell out of it or um in case stregobor came looking or something um and yeah we see that the fight with istrid was the distraction right and it and works it works yeah the first time istrid estrid uh agree, like agrees into it um they're whispering the whole time and like plotting the fight out as they do it um and then when Geralt backs off and asks for a truce which is the code word it means that like Yennefer needs to get out of it, which she doesn't, but you know, whatever. Right. Right. Um, right. And yeah, we see that she has entered his uh, quarters um, and finds a cabinet uh, and a moth flies off. That is like Stregobor's alarm to go inform him like, Hey, someone's snooping in your stuff. Yeah. Um, but she, while she's in there, she finds the list of names of all of the girls that have gone missing. Right. Um, and like, items that belong to them a necklace that belonged to one of the girls a mirror that belonged to another one right which was hinted um, at earlier in the season with uh who was it tris finding like yeah. evidence that things had been taken and the girls were missing yeah so yeah uh, so this so, seems again to connect all of this back to stregobor yes everything's connecting back to stregobor and he does show up um he gets into his room and confronts yennefer Geralt shows up like immediately after so he can't actually do anything um to yennefer uh luckily um and then other members show up to say uh vilgefort's uh istrid and tris all come in oh yeah. and uh artorius yeah um, it's, also. A, it's a big old wizard convention at this yeah. point yeah. and they're going after and like so this is the thing right and like granted one let's just say it we're happy stregobor is going to be out of the picture um and that they like condemned him for this because it's good it's good that like he's terrible he needs to be removed um so that's good but we know at this point is if you watch the episode he's not the one that's actually doing this stuff right right it's not actually him right but also this dude like i can't remember the name specifically of the argument maybe you can help me out but there's like one of the like logical fallacies where you attack the arguer the straw rather man. than it's trying a straw man. to right yeah right. because right. she's he's the whole time he is just going after yennefer right and saying how like she's not credible but not actually defending the evidence of the situation right yeah. like he's yeah. not defending himself he's just attacking her which makes you seem more guilty because if you use one of these like fallacies in an argument it makes you seem like you are not like you don't have anything to actually defend yourself right with. at least for people who are aware that that's a that's a maneuver um unfortunately this actually works a lot in the real world in fact yeah, people people in politics use it all the time they don't actually yeah. talk about the issue they just attack the other person who said the who has the claim on what the actual evidence is or whatever um yeah. this, this also works in courtrooms 
because if you can make people doubt the person that the information's coming from, then the information doesn't feel valuable anymore. But it yeah. doesn't matter if Hitler is standing in front of you underneath a blue sky and says the sky is blue just because he's Hitler doesn't mean that he's not actually saying the sky is blue and the sky is actually blue. Like if you yeah. if you look at those two things in the real, they're still real regardless of the person who said it. Yeah. And but he's also like at this point it's it was just a poor choice on what to do things like yeah this could have worked in season two when yennefer was did but she has since proven that she is the hero of the night she has garnered the support of all of the members that walked into this room this is not how you win this situation if yeah. you really wanted to you don't attack the person who's the hero right right but of course this doesn't uh, work out for him and, yeah. and he's just he's just racist i mean that's that's really what it comes down to he's attacking her because she's part elf and mm -hmm. like he's like he's always yeah, hated he can't her. believe her because yeah so it, yeah. it really doesn't like whatever he so he sucks so this next line says and just when we thought we were free of blood origin what does that mean yeah so they uh find a secret compartment in the back of the cabinet and they pull out what is the book of monoliths and we see that the book of monoliths is that weird little freaking tablet thing from blood origin uh -huh. that's been like made into a book and it's like oh, okay well uh, there you go there's there your go. reference i mean i guess i should be grateful that that's the only reference we had to the entirety it could have been a lot origin. worse toasty it could have been like all over the place yeah so yes gear doesn't mention it the whole time and he's supposedly got the story yeah yeah um, so, so at least it, we're fortunate for that so that's good uh, okay, so what about to say his bracelet? Because this keeps coming up. What do you think yeah, is going so on with this? Falls on like it. I guess it falls off of her um, as she's like leaving the room. Right. Um, and, Which is one know, of those convenient like story tropes. Like this is another one of yeah. those moments that people, it, whether it has anything to do with the original books or not, this when this stuff yeah. happens in TV shows, it's like this bracelet really? has on. a lot of convenience to it because one it falls off conveniently yeah <laughs> yeah two yennefer finds it three yennefer and Geralt make the decision not to give it back to her um immediately even though they are going to rejoin her out in like the main hall right right yennefer is going to be pulled forward by Tissaia, uh to be congratulated in front of everyone and thanked in front of everyone which would be a perfect moment to be like hey by the way like you dropped this earlier yeah um here you after go. that's been done but they decide not to do that and hold on to it so it is very convenient bracelet but it is a piece of evidence that will lead them to the truth um and I'm sure this I, I think that there's more to it as well. Like yes. One, it's it's a clue. But I also think that, like, there's specifically something that's going to happen in the coup that, like, Vil like Vilgefortz was using it as like a protective thing or, for her or like to keep her safe during the situation. Her? Maybe. Maybe. Or like keeping her safe with it. Because I, I do believe that, like, with the, the story they've done here, that Vilgefortz does, in fact, love to say it. Maybe I'm wrong, um, and maybe he's just a great actor, but I do believe that, and I feel like maybe there's something protective on it that's supposed to protect her during this thing. Yeah. And because she doesn't have it, something bad is going to happen uh, 
because uh, of it. I see. Okay, uh, that makes sense. But uh, we'll see. Uh, it's also a little suspicious to get something that's probably magical and to be a mage and not realize that it's a magical thing. Or like, I mean, but if if you give it to like if you give it to your girlfriend and there's like uh what appears to be a protective charm. Mm-hmm. or enchantment on the bracelet like do you question it or be like okay like they want to keep me safe. like it makes yeah, sense that's, that's that true. you would want to keep true. me safe if it's something you know? like that if it's if it's more nefarious than that then that that becomes a problem like what if what if the reason why it's no longer on and now yen has it like if, if now he can listen in on her and hear something that he wasn't supposed to hear or something right maybe that gives I him an we'll advantage see if it has anything i may be over right. like looking into it too much and it may not have anything besides a convenient uh piece of evidence it's against him something but it's I feel definitely like something. something else there yeah um yeah so now yeah, we're back to we- them in the room again yeah so or well so they're out on the the floor um okay she's just been thanked they walk away and Geralt says i love you to yeah. Jennifer. yeah um and they kiss in front of everyone which i believe is yeah something i think i can't remember very like actually specific but i think that this is a thing from the books i think so because the her allowing him to kiss her in front of everyone s- seems very familiar to me like it was an um, important first time yeah. kind of thing yeah so um but yeah so they and then they kiss and you see like proud mom to say in the background which is great i love that uh-huh. and she looks over she's happy for Jennifer. i think that's great um and now we're back in the room right okay. um or sorry yeah. uh i i did put another note here do you want to read this one out because <laughs> you like ope. the way i write things ope <laughs> ope <laughs> like the word ope you never read the word ope uh she's horny must have had the wine <laughs> Yeah, because it's aphrodisiac in the wine. And she right. basically says, like, I want to get you alone. And it's like, yeah. it's like, I that could, that that is, I'm sure, in part of him saying I love you. But also, I think she did actually drink the wine and we see her drink the wine. Yeah. So it's quite possible right. she has had some of the aphrodisiac. Right. And then um, their next, your next comment here is, Gerald in the bath. They did the thing. <laughs> yeah, they put Gerald in the bath. Yeah, Gerald um, in the bath. Everybody granted, loves Gerald in the bath. It wasn't quite like the season one, like uh fan servicey bath that we got in season one. Uh, he looks just more like a wet dog, <laughs> but it's fine. You know, they've been, they've been presumably having sex the entire night. Um, so <laughs> right. he can, he can look like a wet dog. He's allowed. <laughs> I'm sure he's tired. Um, right, right. but they, uh, basically they're talking about Philippa and we get the kind of the last little like flashback um mm-hmm. uh scene for the episode where um Jennifer and Philippa we get to see their full conversation I noticed that uh Philippa calls her yin mm-hmm. um and she puts like a little bit of like a t- like sarcastic tone onto it and like yin is very specifically Geralt's nickname for Jennifer um so it, it was obviously a dig um to like i guess maybe the fact that she heard it and she thought it was funny or something like just making fun of sure. um but it was noticeable enough because like a shard of ice very specifically has a debate between you know Geralt calls her yin istrid calls her yinna like mm-hmm. it, it's a thing mm-hmm. um and philippa is trying to convince yennefer that she can't trust the mages here and that like her and to fell out because she didn't want to say to go to Sodden because she thought it was dangerous. And she does double down saying like, it was dangerous. The only reason we won is because you tapped into that fire magic. Yeah. Um, and even then we technically still lost 
quite a bit that day because we lost the number of mages that died, the 14 mages that died, as well as you lost your magic and yourself for a long time. Right. Um, right. Which is, I thought that was like a very cool way of like saying that specifically, like we may have won the battle, but we still lost. Right. It also um, kind of justifies Philippa's perspective a bit, even though we know mm-hmm. she's kind of a terrible person, but it seems like maybe yeah. she had some good reasons for doing what she did, at least justified to yeah. herself. Yeah. And then a very specific quote that she said is that the brotherhood has no place in the future continent. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that this is setting up the threads for the creation of the Lodge of Sorceresses. Yeah, this is foreshadowing. Yeah. 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 So it, that was cool. That was cool that they put that in there. <laughs> yeah. Your next um, line, I don't think they had bras like that at this time, but whatever, I guess. I think yeah, she's you're talking about Yennefer. She's actual like, legit yeah. bra. And right. I was like, I think like that other blouse she had, I think what she's doing is she's teleporting through dimensions somehow, maybe using series power and then shopping at like TJ Maxx. I, well, I hate it. I definitely <laughs> hate it. Like, you see, these are the things, right? And, you know, I, I said I was going to ignore the outfits, but I guess I'm not. Um, but the thing is, right, is that you have all of these, like, things that you can look at for, like, outfits that you can use. Yeah. Very specifically, yeah. in the situation of this bra, we have the Witcher 3, where we frequently see yennefer wearing that particular uh like um it's like a halter top kind of cover that, cor- that yeah. like corset like corset uh yeah brazier type situation right um right and, his- and historically thing. you can look back at fashion throughout the ages and from different places and see what fashion existed and what didn't and so it would yeah. make sense to have yeah. things that weren't invented within the last hundred years. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. like you have this is like, if you want to do a, a little like scene with Anya Shalatra in a bra, at least use something that actually makes sense rather than like a modern day bra. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little, a little uh, weird, but so anyway, but whatever moving on. Um, uh, so what happens next? So we start to form the connections, um, that, uh, Jennifer mentions Lydia and how like, you know, poor her, she, uh, uh, she got something happened to her and she can only speak telepathically to people. Mm-hmm. Um, right. and Geralt realizes he remembers that Taryn said the woman with the strange voice. Right. And he realizes that, uh, that mu- maybe that's who Taryn had been talking about, which we know, I don't know exactly, um, later on, like, how it worked out because we did see a moment with him like where he was dancing with her and he was he was talking to her and like she obviously wasn't moving her mind because she can't like she doesn't like that's an illusion over her like messed up face um and it's unclear whether she was talking to him telepathically and either he didn't pick up on it or he just like maybe because sabrina did telepathy on him earlier Mm -hmm. he didn't think it was out of place right like these Um, crazy we don't know what she said either right um so okay uh but he he realizes that and it I guess I said the last flashback, but this is the last flashback. My bad. Um, we get we flashback to Geralt walking in a, a little room with Vilgefortz looking at a painting. Lydia like scurries on by after mm-hmm. like she like looks like she's about to sees that Geralt's in there and runs off. Um, 
And we get a little bit of exposition about the first landing and that how this picture that Vilgefortz is looking at is his favorite painting um, in the place uh, and how it like relates sort of to the situation that they're in now. Um, and then proceeds to try to sway Geralt to his cause, um, which he's pretty vague about. Um, but he basically is saying like, you can't, um, you can't entirely trust. Have you thought about bringing, uh, have you thought about one learning sorcery yourself? Um, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, and have you thought about bringing Siri here to keep her safe? because mm -hmm. this is a safe place to keep her and he's trying meanwhile he's also trying to draw connections like he was an orphan Geralt was an orphan he didn't grow up well like they grew up in a weird situation right. and so he learned sorcery so that he could have a modicum of power yeah Geralt learned like how to be a witcher like he's drawing all these connections trying to relate to him and Geralt of course isn't really biting because it's like but it's a better attempt than what Dijkstra <clears throat> was doing Definitely it's kind of the same kind of thing to say, like, look how similar we are. But he he actually has a lot more in common in those specific ways. Yeah. Um, and then uh, when Geralt doesn't really agree, um, Bilgefortz does make what appears to be a like threat, but guises it in the form of like, like, you know, saying that series threatened in like by other people, but it's like, it is like, okay, this is a threat. Mm -hmm. Like, like I was like, he's threatening. Yeah. Um, and then we see that last little part where he's talking about Istrid and Geralt like walks off. I also would just like to point out the face that Geralt makes whenever Vilgeforce like taps him on the shoulder or like on the back or whatever. And he's just like, did you just fucking touch me? <laughs> right, right. It was so good. It was an well, it's also, facial expression. It's, it's also one of those expressions you make when you're just totally uncomfortable the whole night and you're like, oh, what is it now? <laughs> like, we know he is. He's, uh, Geralt doesn't yeah. want to be at this party, right. but like, he knows the party has to play. Um, and we come back into uh, the normal time uh, where they're making realizations that uh, they look at the bracelet they realize that the bracelet is made of a material that can only be found uh in the mines where Geralt found Taryn and the other girls mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay okay um whatever and then they managed to i guess Geralt explained what the painting looked like explicitly um because Yennefer realizes that oh when i went through that weird portal before and had like that weird like nightmare vision it looked exactly like the picture of the first landing which is it's, yeah, like super i don't know that, that one felt like a stretch but okay that was that was yeah. very contrived <laughs> like, yeah. yeah um but you know it's fine because it leads us to the conclusion that it's not stregobor it's vilgefortz mm -hmm. Right. Um, which people who were familiar with the series, we knew that we knew that that was coming. Right. And they kept um, that the same. And so good for them for at least yeah. keeping that part the same. Yeah. So and, uh, this last line you have on here says the coup on Thanad has begun. And that's yes. where we're kind of left off was the like yeah. this. Oh, crap moment of them They're going screaming. Geralt's like checking the halls. They're screaming. And we finish with Dijkstra putting uh, a knife up to Geralt's throat uh, and saying that he should have really done, gone along with his plan. Yeah. 
So I don't know exactly how this all works together, what that actually means, but I guess we're going to find out. Um, any expectations? I think this is the beautiful moment. We're going to start. We're going to start the next season with what I would consider a very beautiful moment, um, which is Geralt breaking Dijkstra's leg. Beautiful moment. Perfect. So that's that's kind of the, whenever they encounter each other in like in the coup. This is where Geralt like destroys Dijkstra's ankle and leaves him like impaired for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Like so, this is what this because I mean. Dijkstra in this moment, uh, this thing is, is right. He's politically savvy. He knows what he's doing um, in a throne room and how to like manipulate like all of those things in his favor. Um, And like part of that makes him cocky to like think that he's also good at other. But everyone does this. Everyone makes this mistake uh, to an extent of thinking that they can go toe to toe with the Witcher. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you put a a knife to his throat. He is still so much faster than you. <laughs> right, right. Like before you, you can no comprehend that he's moving and that you should like slice his throat. He's already disarmed you, dismantled your defense, broke your leg, whatever else. Yeah. Like everyone yeah. seems to forget that witchers have supernatural instincts and yeah. reflexes right and <laughs> they use them, them all the time like a dude that can take out monsters is not going to have a problem with a regular yeah. person Which might be i don't know like i'm wondering if deekstra just doesn't like understand the concept because he does like he he goes up to Geralt, um and like it is weird and like cringy whenever he tries like you know non-magical folk uh like commoner or whatever but it's like quite possible that Dijkstra just thinks that because he's been in this like the throne room so often he doesn't actually associate with witchers yeah maybe and, like witchers maybe. are much rarer in the the Netflix series because there's only the wolves they yeah. don't have any other ones that's true that's true yeah and I mean you the assumption would be like well he seems clued in about a lot of things he seems very aware of the world and the way things work but when it comes to uh-huh. witchers it's not like these are people that you can have spies hang out with and learn about the way they, they work their lives and things like that. They, they're very yeah. lone wolves <laughs> in this case. And we, as we know, the trials are like actually like kept secret. People don't yeah. really know about the trials. So right. Like right. the idea of what it what actually gets done to them, they don't realize they just Right. So maybe he's just ignorant about it. Maybe he just thinks he knows more than he does. I mean, he doesn't know enough. Um, but yeah, that could be it. So I'm interested to see how the season plays out. We've got uh, what another week or so before it comes out. And then we get 10 days, 10 days, it comes out July 27th. And then we'll be, we'll be up on the last three episodes. So hopefully, I mean, so far, not as bad as season two, I guess we'll just see where it goes. Mm-hmm. So that that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for tuning in everybody. Toasty, you have stuff you want to share before we head out? Uh, check out the cyberpunk lore cast. Um, if cyberpunk is something you're interested in, uh, I also do the cyberpunk red live play podcast, cyberpunked cyberpunk apostrophe D with the fumbling for an almighty crit gang. Awesome. And all of my shows and those shows are over at robotsradio.net. So if you want to tune into anything that we do, lots of awesome content, lots of cool stuff, go check it all out. And uh, thanks for hanging out, Toasty. Thank you for being here, chat. Everybody else, thanks for tuning in. And uh, we're not going to see you next week, but we will be back the week after that with our patrons and then back on a regular schedule again. So uh, we look forward to seeing you again soon. All right, everybody. See you. Oh, wait, Toasty. I always forget.
Stay safe on the path. You do this. Mother. Mother, father. <laughs> all right. See you all later. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Witcher Lorecast. We'd love to hear about your experiences with the games and the books and the TV series and all your thoughts on everything. Please check out the Robots Radio Discord and follow us on Twitter at Witcher Lorecast. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.